Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us on the Monday broadcast. Well, this is a two-part message I'm giving you today. And today I want to talk to you about gentleness. And uh, when I think about gentleness, I want you to know that it's not what you often think. Oftentimes we think about gentleness as somebody who is weak, a mild-mannered person, somebody that doesn't have it all together, so they're gentle. But I want you to know the Bible defines gentleness in a much different way. You know, one of the novels that I had to read coming up in high school was the novel by John Steinbeck. And it was the novel of Mice and Men. Uh, Maybe you had to read that novel when you were coming through as well. Well, one of the guys in that novel was a guy by the name of Lenny. Now, Lenny was a giant of a man. He was strong as an ox, but he had a mild mental disability. And he has these really big muscles and a big heart, and he loves petting soft things, but he doesn't know his own strength. First, he unintentionally kills a mouse that he's stroking. Later, he unintentionally kills a puppy. And then finally, he accidentally and fatally breaks a woman's back. Now, Lenny's problem isn't his strength. I mean, strength is a gift. Others were benefiting from Lenny's strength, especially his friend George. But what Lenny needed was not to lose his strength, but to gain the ability to control his strength for good purposes. Now, to use his power to help others, not to harm them. That's what Lenny needed. You know, power in its various forms is actually a gift from God. And this gift should be used by his people for the ends of his kingdom. And like other great gifts, power is perilous when wielding it improperly. You know, the answer to the dangers of strength is not to lose it, but to gain a Christian virtue that the Bible calls gentleness. Gentleness today may be the most misunderstood, spirit-produced virtue. Gentleness is often used as kind of a positive spin on weakness. But gentleness in the Bible is not a lack of strength, but a godly exercise of power. It doesn't mean a lack of ability, but it's an added ability to manage strength. So this is a good virtue. Gentleness is a good virtue. It's actually strength under control. Another word for gentleness would be a person who is merciful, one who is giving life to somebody else, uh, using their strength to bring life. Now, violence, on the other hand, we would say violence is the destructive use of strength. Well, gentleness is the life-giving exercise. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about it. Uh, And I think about some examples that maybe can help us to do a contrast between harshness and gentleness. Let's take rain, for example. You know, a farmer prays for rain. His crops need rain, but they don't need too much rain. They need just enough, and they need a certain kind of rain. They don't pray for hard rain because that would destroy their crops. They pray for gentle rain because gentle rain gives life. Violent rain does harm, not good. So the farmer prays not for weak rain or not for strong rain, but for gentle rain. You know, the means of delivery is so very important. We need water. It's the power of life. But we need it delivered to us gently. Can you imagine trying to take a drink out of a fire hydrant? I mean, it'd knock you over. Uh, So when you have drink from the water fountain, it comes up gently so that you can consume it. It's not destructive. So gentleness doesn't mean feebly, but it means given to us appropriately. 
giving it to us in the way that blesses us. Well, there's something else that we could consider. Uh, Let's look at the tongue. Consider that tongue. The book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 15.4 that a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Now, gentle doesn't mean weak, but fittingly strong, with life-giving restraint. You know, giving something good, uh, not like a fire hose, but in due measure. So the tongue can give a gentle answer, and it can be a tree of life. But let's consider sailing. As you go out on a sailing vessel, you don't want harsh winds. You don't want hurricane force gales coming through. You want a gentle blowing wind. That's the answer to every sailor's prayer. While a violent wind will spell trouble, a gentle breeze is great for sailing. You know, the apostle Peter did a contrast between the power of good and the power of bad, uh, and the difference between just rulers and unjust rulers. He describes good leaders as good and gentle. Now, the opposite would be uh, of those who are a crooked leader. We don't call him a weak one. We call him one that is not using his power well. And who wants the protection of a weak leader anyway? But a good and gentle leader is what we want. We want gentle leaders, not weak leaders. We want leaders with strength and power, not that they can use that power against us to harm us, but they will wield that power for good, to help us, which is what makes the image of a shepherd so fitting in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, the sheep are manifestly weak and vulnerable. They need strong shepherds, not weak ones. They need shepherds who are good and shepherds who will use their power to help the sheep, not to use that power to abuse the sheep. You know, weak people are often preoccupied with showing and talking about their strength. Truly strong men give their energy and their attention to not showing off their strength, but to demonstrating their gentleness. You know, they're able to rightly exercise, able to rightly manifest the power of good to others. Insecure men will flex and they will threaten. Men who are very secure in their strength and in the strength of the Lord are not only willing, but they're very eager to let their gentleness be known to all. So today we want to spend some time in in the book of Philippians chapter 4, And that verse I just quoted to you is the main text that we are to let our gentleness be known to all. Now, it should be no surprise to us at all that when the Bible talks about leaders in the church, 1 Timothy 3.3, it says that leaders should not be violent, but gentle. There's actually 15 explicit qualifications for elders that are given to us in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, out of this list of 15, four of them are negative. And let me give you the four negative ones, okay? We'll go ahead and get those out of the way. All right, so a leader within the church should not be a drunkard, should not be violent, should not be quarrelsome, and should not be a lover of money. Now, only one of these negative pairs is given an explicit positive, not violent, but gentle. You know, among other implications, what does that say for not violent with its simple, positive, gentle? It's an assumption here that leaders are going to be strong. Elders are going to be strong. They have to have power to lead the church. The question will not be, are they going to be 
strong, the question is whether they have that strength to be used in a proper way. So it's not whether they have strength, but whether they know how to use this strength to help others and not to harm them. Now, they must know and they must have demonstrated how to channel God's good gift of strength with appropriate restraint, appropriate self-control. You know, as individuals and as a team, they must be gentle. I've discovered something about insecure people, and, and there was a time in my life that I was very insecure. You know, insecure people tend to flex and they tend to threaten. Men who are secure in their strength and in the Lord's are eager to let their gentleness be known to all. You see, it's clear elsewhere in the pastoral epistles. I'm so thankful that God has given us three pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And in these epistles, Paul gives us the use of this word gentleness. And as he looks at this, it's an essential character trait of a leader. As a matter of fact, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, as for you, O man of God, pursue gentleness. You see, true gentleness in, in the pastors not only gives life to the flock, but also models for the flock how it can give life to the world. Titus tells us, Titus 3, verses 1 and 2, that we're to remind them to be submissive to rulers and to authorities. And this is one of the jobs of a leader within the church, is to remind those that he is leading that we should be submissive to the rulers and to the authorities, that we should be gentle, and that we should show perfect courtesy to all people. And perhaps the most significant of all leaders, the Lord, he says the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring, correcting his opponents with gentleness. You see, even as we are correcting opponents, which we might assume is part of the job, we should be taking this on, not violently, but it should be done in gentleness. It seems like there's two extremes that we deal with as leaders. One would be the extreme of doing nothing, to go along, to get along, and and then the other extreme would be too harsh. We hold intention, uh, meekness and gentleness versus strength and power. And so as a leader, we must look at this subject of gentleness. And I want you to know, our God is not like Lenny. Our God is not this God that has power, that is out of control. He is gentle and he is lowly in heart. That's how Jesus described himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart. You know, as he entered into the world as a baby in Bethlehem, he grew in wisdom and he grew in stature in Nazareth. He taught with toughness, but he also taught with tenderness. He rode into Jerusalem, humble and mounted on a donkey. And he rode in with the purpose of laying down his own life for us. As a matter of fact, Peter explains it this way as he's describing Christ. He says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, Jesus was not doing this because he was weak or powerless. He was doing this because he was powerful enough. He was powerful enough to be gentle himself. 
So we, like the Apostle Paul, both receive and we seek to imitate the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Paul explained himself this way to the Corinthian believers. He says, my goal is to imitate Christ, and I'm trying to imitate his meekness and his gentleness. You know, in his strength, he has freed us from the need to flex, and he commissions us to let our gentleness be known to all. Now, don't you love that? Now, this is a tall order. I'm not denying that. But I want you to know that God gives his under-shepherds the power and the strength for serving the flock. He doesn't give them the opportunity to be subjecting their flock. He gives his people influence and authority to steward without being protective of or becoming jealous when he gives more power to others. That's the great thing about gentleness. Here's a quote that I don't know where it came from, but I would love to give the person credit, whoever said it. But whatever influence we have is not ours by right. Whatever influence we have is not ours by right, but on divine loan. And we're to use that power for his purposes in the world with gentleness. So let's talk about this subject of what in the world is gentleness? Well, gentleness, I think, could be defined this way. It's love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength to serve someone in a way that blesses them. So gentleness is always driven by love. I love somebody, and so I'm gentle with that person. And I'm thinking about a mom with her baby, right? I am so blessed uh, to have five wonderful children who are now adults, and they've grown, and, and uh, now we have a, a grand uh, son, and, uh, and we've got another one on the way. I'm so excited about that. But as I think about this subject of gentleness, I never had to teach my wife to be gentle with our babies. I've never had to teach my daughter to be gentle with her baby that's about five months old now. It seems like they were naturally gentle with them. As a matter of fact, I've got to admit to you, when I first became a dad, I was afraid to hold my son. Now, my oldest is now 30 years old. And uh, when Tyler was born, he was 10 pounds, 8 ounces. So he was a big baby. I says, he wasn't born an infant. He was born as a toddler. He was huge. But even as a baby, I was always kind of fearful to hold him because I was afraid I was going to break him because even though he's a good-sized baby, uh, he was still small to me. And I was like, am I going to break him? I'm going to hold him the wrong way. And and so I was extremely gentle with him. And I was extremely gentle with my wife who had just given birth to him. And I remember driving home. I was going like 10 miles an hour as we were coming home from the hospital, bringing our newborn baby home. And and I remember Sherry says, why are you driving so slow? And I said, well, I got some precious cargo on board. I got to be extra careful. And uh, and she says, well, you can drive a little faster because people are going to run into the back end of us if we don't speed it up just a little bit. And so gentleness is guided by self-control, applying just enough strength to serve somebody in the way that blesses them. It is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, notice I said it's the fruit of the Spirit. I didn't say the fruits of the Spirit. All these are character traits that is given to us by the Spirit of God 
and should be growing and should be manifested in our lives. Gentleness is often used as a positive spin of weakness, but gentleness in the Bible is not the lack of strength, but rather the godly exercise of power. Gentleness doesn't signal a lack of ability, uh, but the added ability to steward one's strength so that it serves good and it serves a life-giving end rather than bad, which would be taking of life. You see, violence is the destructive use of strength, where gentleness is the life-giving exercise. What is gentleness? Gentleness is love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength to serve somebody in a way they can handle. And I notice it begins with love. Why does God gently attend to his people with their diverse needs? Because he loves them. Gentleness is love in action. Because love is what leads you to consider somebody's history and somebody's strengths and somebody's weaknesses and somebody's burdens, even their facial expression and their tone of voice, and responsively adjust your bearing. And I think about just recently, I was in a class called Starting Point. It's a membership class that we have. And I had this guy that came in the class, and I got to be honest, uh, his, his appearance would come across as he's one of these, like a biker dude, right? And, uh, and he had tattoos everywhere. And, uh, and I, at first, I thought, well, this is going to be kind of a rough dude. And one of the things I do in our starting point class is I said, I want to get to know everybody in this class, and I want us to get to know each other. And so what we do, by way of introducing ourselves to each other, we say, uh, I want you to tell me one thing about you, one thing about yourself, so that we in this class will never forget who you are. And I will never forget what this biker dude said, uh, or what I thought was a biker dude, right? I thought it was going to be giving us a rough response. And he says, you know, I'm searching. He says, uh, I'm looking for some answers in life, and I've got a special needs child, and I'm really confused about a lot of things. And so I'm here in this class because somebody invited me to the church, and I need some answers. And I want you to to look at me as one who has a special needs child who needs a lot of answers. Uh, that shock, uh, that response, totally took us off uh, off of the of what of what we expected this person. That's not what I thought this person was going to say. But you know, when he said that, we had a bond. And I said to this person, I said, you know, I also have a special needs son. And we had this instant connection. You know, by the end of that class, after just a couple hours of going through uh, the basic doctrines of our church, you know, that young man right there in front of the rest of the class received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Uh, You know, we were guided by what I would say is spirit-controlled. A self-controlled person is a spirit-controlled person. You know, when you're guided by uh, self-control, you know, only a a self-controlled person can turn the flood of what they think needs to be saying into a trickle of what the person in front of them needs to hear. You know, I guess we could use an illustration of a hammer, right? There's different kinds of hammers. You know, you don't need a sledgehammer if you're trying to knock a little dent out of a piece of metal. Uh, You need a ball peel hammer uh, that can gently knock out those dents. Uh, You don't need a sledgehammer. That'll only make it worse. Self-control 
is using the right hammer, using that right energy, that right passion to build up instead of tearing down. Now, and I got to admit, in my earlier days, I was like a bull in a china closet. I'd walk in and say, if it's to be, it's going to be because of me. And I was, I was so audacious and so full of myself. I remember I even went to the bank one time. Uh, we were trying to find a, 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 a bank in the area that would finance our, our first building project. And I remember I went into the office of Tom Bank. And I sat down uh, with a loan officer, and, and we were requesting money. And, and this lady was just trying to be just as kind as she could. And she says, well, Pastor, uh, you don't understand. He says, yeah, your church is very, very young. And, and she says, I've done a lot of researches on churches. And, and, and she says, you know, most churches don't build their first building until they're between 15 years old. And, and uh, you know, he's around 15, 20 years old. And he says, man, your church is just a few years old. And, and why don't you just wait a little bit? And, uh, and we'd be happy if we had a little more history about uh, the, the financial situation of your church. If you could just wait a year or two, uh, we will be happy to reconsider. But right now, uh, we don't feel like uh, the church is, is quite ready to, to take on a loan for the building that you want to build. And, uh, and, and she says, but you're doing a wonderful job. And, and she's saying all these wonderful things, and, and I'm taking it the wrong way. And I'm getting a little ticked off. My blood pressure is built up. And, uh, and, and then she, she finally says, well, you know, Pastor, Rome wasn't built in a day. And that was my end right there. That was my end. I said, why? You know what? You know why Rome wasn't built in a day? I said, because I wasn't in charge. That's why Rome wasn't built in a day. And I thought about that answer now, and I think about that, and I said, man, that was an awful, arrogant answer. You know, gentleness isn't the opposite of strength, but it's a wise application. You know, I, I've got to admit, I, I don't like to golf. I do it every once in a while. We do an annual golf tournament, and every once in a while, I go out there and and uh, and try to hit that little ball and, and really get really frustrated. But I've learned something. A golfer uses a driver not when he's on the green five yards from the cup. He'll use a different club. You know, it, it's still strength. It's an ounce, not an ounce too much or an ounce too little when he gets up and he uses the putter. That enables him to sink that putt. You think it'd be ludicrous for a golfer to get up on the green and says, okay, give me my my number one driver, and I'm going to drop this thing. Uh, That'd be ludicrous, right? Uh, It takes strength, a different force, a different emphasis on that strength. So let's look at this whole subject of gentleness. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and then I'm going to talk about ways that we can grow in gentleness. So we're going to pick it up again tomorrow in the broadcast, but let me read the text and see what Paul has to say about this matter, okay? Therefore, he says, my brothers and sisters, we're in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1, are you whom I love, you whom I long for, my joy and my crown? Now, Paul here is coming on gently. And he's reminding them, hey, I'm talking to brothers and sisters here, right? This is a family matter. And Paul is in a Roman uh, uh, jail or really under house arrest, but he's incarcerated. And he's saying to his brothers and sisters that I love you, I long for you, and he calls them his joy and his crown. And he says, I want you to stand firm in this way, dear friends. 
I plead with you, Yodidia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, you know, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose name are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Verse number five is our key verse. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And a God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, think on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard in me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, let me close by saying, I am most like Jesus when I am gentle. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow as we continue on part number two, how to be a kinder, gentler person. And we're going to talk about four ways that can be done. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.